The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. When I get messages from Holly in big capital letters that say things like, we need to talk to this guy now, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. To me, it sounds like, Holly, we need to talk to somebody. Well, yes, we absolutely do. When I saw this individual's post on Facebook, I thought, oh, my goodness, this man mm. has a story. And I actually met him a couple years ago. I did some work for you, Carlos, if you remember. That's correct. Yeah, you did but I, uh, a no. voice. Yeah, but no idea about your story or where you came from. And then seeing the post that you did in honor of your dad, I just wanted to know more about how God has used you and your life. So you know what? I'm going to turn the table to Johnny to ask our skill testing question for you today, okay? Well, uh, first first off, I mean, no surprise. It's somebody that Holly knows because that's usually how this works. <laughs> but uh, Carlos Herrera, my friend, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. And uh, happy to be with you and, and share uh, uh, what God has done in my life. We like to ask a skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Carlos, who are you and where did you come from? I'm like you just said it perfectly. <laughs> my name is Carlos Herrera. I was born and raised in El Salvador. I come from a family uh, of uh, four sisters and me being the only uh, guy in the, in the family. My, my mother is a retired, uh, medical doctor. And my father is a well-remembered, uh, uh, lawyer who passed away in 1979. And, uh, basically that's, that's part of what I'm going to share, uh, today with you guys. I have been blessed and happily married to to my wife for 29 years, Carmen Elena. Oh wow! I have nice. I have two kids. Charlie is 28, and Danny is 20, 23. Charlie just gave us the privilege to become grandparents. Oh, our congratulations! <laughs> our beautiful first uh, granddaughter two weeks ago. So Aww. we're. Uh, going through a very exciting time. So that's, that's Carlos, also known uh, among my friends as El Brodito. That's my nickname, which means little brother. Oh, <laughs> that's what they call okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you make the, the move from El Salvador to Canada? We moved six years ago in, uh, we decided to to leave our country, confident that uh, it was the will of of our Lord that was uh, moving us out of the country. He used different different circumstances to, you know, move the floor, as we say in Spanish, and, and, and so we could start walking towards uh, this direction. What was life growing up for you in El Salvador? Because both Johnny and I have been there with compassion. Mm -hmm. And so I remember probably the strongest memory is um, they had said, oh, look at the soccer field over there. And so I mm. look and I just see these young guys playing soccer <laughs> and they're like, so that's the gang that gave us permission to be here. So don't make direct eye contact. And at that moment, I thought, wow, I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I was grateful to be on that land, yeah. but it just really hit home just how, you know, in the – 
current situation, there's such right. poverty, but then also such affluence as well. And yeah. um, yeah. like the gangs there. And it was just, um, it was a huge eye opener, but a beautiful country. <laughs> Thank you. How long ago were you there? Probably about 10 years ago, I think. No, maybe okay. more. Maybe, maybe 14. I don't know. I'm getting to that point in my age where <laughs> I don't even remember yesterday, but it was, it was pre-kids. It was a while ago. Yeah. It was a while ago. And, and the reason why I ask is, is because El Salvador has gone through different, uh, uh, you know, uh, political uh, periods, right? Yeah. Uh, problems have changed in, you know, uh, in the last five, six decades and to answer your question you know growing up in El Salvador I was born in 1966 that period of the country was a very very I I would say very successful for the country you know um, uh, El El Salvador is so small to give you an idea it's smaller than uh, Banff National Park Mm-hmm. So it, it was called the Little Japan of America, hmm. and because um, it was very prosperous, you know, uh, agriculture was uh, was a big thing, and 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 that lasted probably the the to to the end of the seventies. So my childhood, although it was, I could say, a good childhood. Of course, it was it was hit by or affected by my my father's career because he was a, a politician in El Salvador. He was a lawyer, but since very young he 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 was involved in in in, in politics. You know, he he has his ideal of you know making a difference in 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 the country and. Um, so in 1970, he, he became the mayor of the capital city, San Salvador. There had always been, you know, of course, differences in, in ideologies. And unfortunately, in most of our countries, and speaking in, specifically about El Salvador, we, we, I think it, it has been a process of maturing, you know, um, politically. In the past, if you thought different from other um, from other people, you were considered literally a, an enemy, not a contendent, not not, not you know uh, someone that uh, th- thought different than me. You were considered an enemy. So, my father was it was a very conservative man. He was founder of the of the one of the founders of the Christian uh, Democratic uh, Party. And, and he was very, very popular. And in 1972, although he was in charge or responsible just for the city, there, there were presidential elections then. And there was a, a, a coup. My father being in in the opposition party he was blamed of participating in 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 this uh, uh event which of course wasn't true so we had to leave the country they they um 
we were exiled to to Mexico. Uh, I was uh, four years old then. Mm-hmm. So I started being affected by by this hate, you know, and these differences in, in the country. Those were, of course, uh, very hard moments for my family, especially my father and my mother. I was just a child, probably not realizing what was really happening. Just before leaving the country, the then president was a military. And since my father was blamed for, for this event, we, we had the first attack to our, to our house. Hmm. I was playing outside my backyard and I recall seeing a helicopter shooting at my house and, and, and the bullets, you know, uh, hit it just feet away from me. And I remember my, my grandmother, you know, running to, to the backyard and grabbing me. You know, and uh, screaming, you know, and these are, you know, memories that I, although they are vaguely remembered, but of course they, they, they have uh, some kind of impact, you know, when you start realizing what the, the things we were going through, right? As you're growing up, and I mean, you, you, you move to Mexico, you, you come back. Mm-hmm. As you grew older and your dad's in politics and stuff, did you ever feel unsafe? But did it get better or was it like, maybe we should just move to Canada 30 years ago? Johnny, that, that question is, is a very good question because actually before talking to you guys, I was thinking exactly that, that, that uh, same thing, right? Growing up, you know, with fear, it's something that the, you know, God has made us in a way that, uh, really you, he gives us the ability to, to kind of choose how you want to feel. Mm-hmm. And that, that, uh, ability to decide is based on our values and principles. And I remember my father telling me, uh, don't be afraid. You know, you should never be afraid. You know, you should be careful, but not afraid. And those words, you know, were stuck in deep in my heart. So I remember going to the movie theater, going to play soccer, as you mentioned, with my friends. I was looking always around, you know, uh, mm. for. So the feeling of safety came from. From my father's uh, 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 assurance that uh, I should not be afraid, and uh, but when I think about it, I was unsafe, honestly. You know, because uh, we were always under um, the watch of people. We always received letters of, uh, you know, uh, threatening us. You know. Actually, I shared in that letter that, you know, just one week prior to before my father got uh, assassinated, uh, I received a call and saying, you know, the first thing that when I picked up the phone was, we're going to kill your father. Tell your father mm-hmm. we're going to kill him. And I told my father and he says, ah, don't don't pay attention to that. But, uh, you know, if they call back, just let me know. 
I recall that that's a strong call. You know, that's a very hard call to receive, but I wasn't afraid. Mm. And, and, it's, and I'm not saying it's good, but you learn how to live in fear. And I didn't want my kids to live under those circumstances. Mm. Because I always, always was surrounded by fear. And, and even my friends were, you know, were, <laughs> I think I'm more uh, conscious of, 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 of the threat than me, you know. But that, that, that's the way I grew up. That was your normal. That's a very um, high alert baseline for such a young person, starting at the age of four. And, and imagine, you know, imagine uh, uh, my other four sisters, right? That, yeah. uh, uh, of course, you know, every one of us is, uh, is different. Yeah. You know, some of them took it in a different way. And uh, some of them were more affected probably, you know, by these threats. Uh, I wouldn't say that... Um, for me, being a boy, you know, I took it more, you know, like cash. No, I I believe that God was working in my life even then. Mm. Even then when I didn't have a, a close relationship with him, I think he was taking care of my heart and, and my feelings. Um, uh, and, of course, being close to my father until uh, uh, his incident, we were very close, mm. very close. Mm. My father would come from work and he would, um, he would go to my room, you know, around 4 p.m., 5 p.m. in the afternoon. And he, he asked me, uh, are you done with your homework? And, uh, and I said, yes, let's go for a walk. And, uh, we would take walks, you know, around the neighborhood, you know, even going, I remember going to, to, to downtown, which, you know, back then it was, it, it was safer, but it's still, you know, a place sure. to, to, to be, uh, uh, aware, right, uh, of, of any threats. But he would do it, you know, we would walk, we would talk. He was, he was, a uh, and I say in a, in a very respectful way, but he, he was a clown. I mean, he, he would tell <laughs> jokes all the time and he would, oh, you know, I, I had so much fun walking with him because, uh, 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 he would pay attention to little details and, you know, uh, I would ask him, Things, you know, dad, what's that? And he would come up with something that, <laughs> believe me, you know, outrageous and, and making fun. Yeah, yeah. I really so, had fun with him. Yeah. So as we fast forward to 1979, and, and, and I mean, the loss of a parent is already a difficult thing uh, to lose your father the way you did. Uh, um, and, and I'm trying to be as, you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it, was it something you obviously didn't see it coming. Were you around? How did you find out that this had happened? Mm-hmm. We, we knew that there was some threat, of course, but we didn't expect it. 
Right. My father had a conversation days before with uh, one of my 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 uncles, and my father didn't use bodyguards. You know, he was then minister of education of the country, so he was working for the government. Usually, uh, uh, these these um, positions require. You know, they were provided with uh, people to to protect them. My father didn't take advantage of, of that. Some people would say, you know, that was unwise. But the way he saw it is that, listen, and that was the conversation with my with my uncle. He he asked him, Carlos, why why don't his name is Carlos by the way? So uh, Carlos, why don't you use um, uh, bodyguards, you know, you need security. And he said, you know what? If I take two people, they will come with four. Yeah. If I take five, they will come with ten. And I, if they want to do something to me, I don't want to leave all the families in 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 a position of, you know, uh, uh, losing a father. And on the other hand, he said, I haven't done anything to anyone. I'm not afraid. And, uh, and that was just days prior to, 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 to his assassination. And, um, I, he, he died on, on May 23rd, uh, 1979. It was a Wednesday. The previous, the previous Sunday, the Sunday before that, uh, we did have security in our house. Uh, and one of the guards told my father that, uh, uh, a car approached, uh, the house and, and took pictures of his car. So he paid attention to that, but I guess he managed things his way without being overreacting, you know, within the family to probably keep us, you know, uh, just comfortable, right? And uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, he was concerned about our security and, 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 and concerned if something happened to, to any uh, of his kids or my, my, my mother, right? But we didn't feel that. We didn't feel that. So the day that um, the day that he he died, uh, I would usually got up early in the morning because our school started at seven. So I went, I, I went, uh, uh, you know, to get ready, and I saw my father, you know, all dressed up, you know, ready to go to work, and I, and that was unusual. And when I asked him, what's, what's, why are you ready? And, and, um, I was 12 years old then. And he said, the, it doesn't make sense in, 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 in English, this, the sentence, but uh, he literally said, I don't want to, I, uh, you know, I'm just leaving early because I don't want to get hit, um, traffic with the, with the bad guys, something like that. 
he said it in a way that, you know, I wasn't concerned about his comment, anything. He, he, but he probably was aware that something was cooking, right? Or, mm. or happening. And, uh, we don't know if he received all the threats or, you know, we don't know that. But, um, I remember that I said bye to him. He left with his driver. Great person. I, I loved him so much. Uh, uh, this, this guy, a big guy. He was a wrestler. Uh, and, uh, uh, always so kind. Uh, he was part of the family, right? And I remember that they, they both leaving from our house. So I got uh, to school and like I said, we started at seven. His incident happened at 7.15. I didn't learn about it until around 9 a.m. I was in my classroom and the principal came to, to, to my class and, 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 and he, he told the teacher, sorry to interrupt. Can I take Carlos out of the class? And I was surprised, of course, you know, and, 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 and all my, my, my classmates started, you know, making fun of me. Oh, you know, <laughs> what did you do? You know, and I, and I was thinking that, you know, what did I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he said, bring your things, you know, and uh, while we were walking down to his office, uh, he told me, um, your father had an accident. And your family will pick you up. And of course, you know, to me it was a surprise knowing that I, I just said bye to him. So in my mind, I was thinking that he was hit by another car, that he broke his leg. And, and I picture him, you know, at the hospital with his leg, you know, uh, hanging yeah. and, <laughs> and, and, and I thought that I was going to go to the hospital and say, hey, dad, what happened? And, oh, man, see, you know, I'm, I messed up and uh, making fun of his situation. That's, that's what I thought. So the principal uh, uh, got me into his office and, and, and he said, please wait here. And he left. Suddenly I saw two ladies, friend of our families, uh, mothers of, of, Two of my neighbors who lived right in front of my house and I saw them dressing in black. And my two friends were going with them. You know, they were coming down the stairs and they came into the office mm. and I was surprised. And, and, and one of them hugged me and, and she told me, uh, Carlos, I'm so sorry for your father. And, you know, uh, and he, she started crying, of course, but, but in my mind, I, I was thinking, she's wrong. Hmm. He, he hasn't died. He, he, he had an accident, right? And, uh, so it, there was a period, you know, uh, in that moment that, I was just confused, mm-hmm. but uh, 
right in that moment, uh, another another uh, friend of the family who worked for us, he he came to pick me up. And and when he saw me, he he just exploded crying, right? And he hugged me and he started, you know, um, uh, moaning and 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 saying Carlitos, Carlitos, and and and. And then I started to realize that something bad had happened. He didn't say a word to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and during the, the drive to the house, I was just confused. Yeah. But when we got to, to our house, it was completely full of people, the entire uh, block of the house, you know, there were cars, people outside, the, 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 the road was blocked with at least thousands of people. So it was a, a very difficult, uh, it was very difficult to get through all the people. They saw me, people crying, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, there were, there were media, uh, people in, Again, I was still confused. Say, what, what, what has happened? Nobody has told me anything. So I made my, my way through all these people, got to my house. I saw relatives crying, you know, hugging me, but nobody said a word until I got to my mother's room. It was closed. I knocked the door and, uh, uh, she was with, uh, other, uh, relatives, my aunts and uh, my grandmother, and when they saw me, they let me in. To me, that was probably one of the worst moments uh, I went through. I, I saw my mom on her knees on her bed, grabbing my father's handkerchief full of blood, and and she was just screaming. And she, she grabbed me and, and she hugged me so tight and, and she couldn't say anything. But that's the moment I realized, okay, uh, my father is, is, is gone. I cannot tell you that I started crying immediately. There was something after that moment that kept me together. That's why I believe that God had had me in his hands way long before I even had a relationship with him. Because my reaction really was, I'm not a psychologist, but it was some kind of peace, really, at that moment. Although, you know, the days after that, the the, the funeral and, and, and all those ceremonies and I was always with, surrounded by, by lots of people. All my friends in the neighborhood, all my friends from school, all, all my friends from the Boy Scouts uh, group that I, I went to. So, so I was always with someone. So that made it easier for me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, a week later, when people suddenly <clears throat> started to go you know, go away, I should say. Um, I remember I told one of, of, of the 
this guy that picked me up at the school, I, I told him, can I go and see the car? And he said, I don't know if you should. And I told him, I, I would like to see the car. The car was taken to, to a special place that belonged to the government. So for some reason, he, he took me. And for probably 15 days, I was going every single day. Hmm. And that was my first why me moment. Or that little question, is that trigger to a why me period? of life it's not just that you oh why me you know and you get an answer the answer might take years so is a why me life some people live in a why me life right it's not a why me moment but again the the the, the question is really seconds it takes seconds but that triggers the attitude of why me? And uh, that's when I started asking myself, why? Why did you allow this? He was a good man. He was loved by people. And I say this in a very humble way. There were like 100,000 people in his funeral. You know, the the the, the people following the... Uh, the car with uh, uh, his body, there were kilometers of, 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 of people, you know, in, uh, uh, needy people who loved him. Because, but more than talking about him, I think it's, it's the work of God that was doing in my life when he started, when I started asking those questions. I recall counting the, the holes in his car, hundreds of them. I, I recall going into the car and, and still, you know, had not been cleaned up. So his blood was still there. I recall taking pieces of, a, of, of, of glass, you know, and put it in a box, you know, with uh, some pellets that uh, I found, you know, from the, 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 the shotguns. And uh, I, I had put it in a box, and every time I, I, I went, I found something else. And uh, I would sit for hours in his seat and, and, and say, I would have done this. I would have done that, right? But there's a good story behind that day, you know. Three months, late, uh, three months before, there's a, there's a missionary his name is Juan Bueno. He started a program in Latin America uh, to, to develop Christian schools. And since my father was the minister of education, he came to talk to him. And in a way to ask for assistance in, 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 uh, in this project. So the, the ministry uh, gave them desks for, for this school. Brother Bueno, uh, came in, uh, to thank my father. That was three months prior to, to, to this incident. And, uh, he says, uh, uh, Mr. Herrera, you know, we want to thank you for all the help that we have received. 
and I want to give you a gift. Now, if you're a politician, you, you, you can imagine how you would react, right? And, yeah. and he said, no, 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 I cannot take any gifts. You know, mm-hmm. it's my, my duty. And uh, no, he said, it won't cost me anything. And he says, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's free for me to give. And, and, and my father said, so what it is? And he said, the gospel of Jesus. Mm. So he shared the gospel. They had a conversation. And at the end, he asked me, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior and, 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 and Lord? And my father said, yes, I do. So he stood up and he went uh, to 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 the back of his office. He grabbed his suit and uh, he knelt down in front of a of this missionary and accepted the Lord. Wow! And uh, you know it's 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 interesting because days after that, we started seeing my father going with his Bible every Sunday. And that was that was something that we never saw, right? And and it was not something common in in in, in our family. And just this the Monday before his assassination, he gathered us together and and, and he told us we're gonna read, uh, you know, uh, the Bible tonight, and we're going to do this more frequently. Things are going to change, he said. And I remember, you know, being 12 and what, what is he doing? I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, you know, hear any stories from the Bible then, you know. But uh, what do you know? To us, that, that was a seed planted in our hearts. I, listen. It, it's so hard to put everything together in, 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 in such a, 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 a short time. But let me tell you, the, the, the next eight years were the worst years of my life. That was my worst why me period. I couldn't find an answer to what, why that happened to my father. So my reaction was, as I say it in, 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 in that letter, I didn't feel any anger towards the people who did it. You know who took the blame? God. I blame him with all my heart. And for, for the next eight years, I kept telling him, you did this to me. So all my anger was focused on, on, on God. I cannot tell you. Well, I would, but, uh, it's so long to tell how many circumstances and moments of throwing my anger to him. Myself, I, I just didn't want to do anything with him and, in fact, you know, there, there was a period of my life in, in which I, I thought, you know, there's no sense for me existing. So I'll just 
take my life after two attempts. 1986. Fortunately, two of my sister had met the Lord because of my father's testimony. His father, my, my grandfather, also accepted the Lord because of his testimony. His brother became uh, a believer after his testimony. And although my sisters kept telling me, you know, Jesus can change your life, I was still mad with him. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I, I don't want to know anything about that guy. That's that's how I referred to, 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 to the Lord, you know. And in 1986, I, I had an argument with one of my sisters. Because she left a note on my, on my bed saying, there was a verse and say, Jesus loves you. And I took that, that paper and ripped it and, and, and went to, to, to her room and said, stop, you know, telling me that he loves me. I don't love him. I don't want to deal with him. Mm-hmm. So I went back to my room and, and, and she came and started praying. And for some reason, I let her pray for me. And, and, and her prayer was, God, use my life so Carlos knows about you, how, how much you love him, and he knows your power. That was on a Friday. The next Friday, we had a 6.8 earthquake. My sister, the one who prayed for me, she was trapped in her building. A five-story building became one building. It became one floor. 92 people died in that building. She was the only one rescued. It took us 40 hours to rescue her. They had to use tons of machinery, hundreds of people helping explosives to get uh, to her. On Sunday morning, October 12, 1986, 6 a.m. in the morning, uh, she was rescued. I remember that night at 10 a.m., at 10 p.m., I'm sorry. I was in my room in disbelief of what I just witnessed because it was terrible. I can tell you it was one of the worst things in my life, just seeing bodies being rescued. And, and hoping that my sister would be still alive and, 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 and that the next body wouldn't be here. So to me, you know, there was a sense of gratitude when, when we found her and, and we were able to, to, to get her out, not without any, you know, her being hurt because if they had to use torches to, to melt the, the iron, she, she was burning in her, uh, um, hip. You know, she, she was fractured. She had a, she had a uh, concussion in, in, in uh, on her head. Uh, she was in very poor conditions when we rescued her. But that day at 10 p.m., I kneeled on, on my, on my room, in my room, just talking to God. I said, you know, I know my life has been a mess. And I know that uh, I have been so mad at you, but I want to thank you that you kept my sister alive. And I remember asking him, 
I don't know what to do. If you cannot help me, who else can I ask for help? I want to change. And I didn't even realize what I was doing at that moment, but I was giving my life to Jesus in, in that specific moment. And of course, you know, uh, there wasn't anything extraordinary physically happening, but of course, uh, uh, spiritually, it did happen a miracle because the next day we, my, my parents had a, a kind of a, like a library, uh, uh, full of books and all because of the airport, all of them came down. So I, I was going through that area inside the house, which we didn't do because, you know, it was still, you know, the aftershocks, but uh on top of all those books, I found my sister's Bible. I grabbed it, and for the next eight months, I literally ate that book from cover to cover for probably three, four times. I read it and read it and read it and read it from 6 a.m., till 11 p.m. at night, every single day. And and God started giving me answers to the why me. That's part of my testimony. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering when's the book coming? <laughs> you know, I, I've had that calling mm-hmm. of writing a book. I don't know how to write, honestly. I hope somebody comes into your path, God ordained, and helps you capture your story because, I mean, you're only at your 20s right now in your life, and you've experienced being exiled. You've experienced um, living with fear. Uh, you've experienced the loss of a father uh, and one who was a good father, one who actually seemed to exemplify a lot of the character traits that we attribute to God someone who will walk yes. with us, somebody who will l- make us laugh, who will share wisdom with us. What an incredible gift. And your dad wasn't even a Christian yet. So I'm curious no. to know, as now you found God and you are entering a next chapter of life, um, how, how did that memory of your dad really shape your vision of who God is? Completely. I don't know. You know, I, I've had conversations with... Uh, some of the guys or people that have lost uh, their father. I don't know what is worse. If losing a father that you never met, there's people that never met their fathers. Yeah. Mm. Losing a father who was probably not, not so good mm-hmm. and they lost their father. Some people might even consider that a relief. Or losing a father that he was a good father. For me, of course, my father keeps shaping my life, you know, just by remembering him. Because he, he was a person of values. He was coherent with uh, his beliefs. He wasn't a person that you, whatever you see from my father, he was that person inside and outside. And for a, for a child, a son or daughter, that's very important. 
Yeah. That's very important to see that, uh, there is harmony in, 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 in the way your father, what they teach you and, and how they act. There, there has to be a correlation and, and, and there has to be a go together. If, if, if you, well, nowadays every, everyone has a phone, right? But I remember mm. having a phone at, at the house, right? Right. So, uh, I always tell this because, you know, if you, if you're a type of father that, you know, you tell your kids, you know, don't never lie. You, you, you don't have to lie, you know. And then someone calls and I tell him I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. It doesn't make sense. And, and, and you might say, okay, you know, but believe me, in the mind of a, of a person of, 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 of of a son or daughter, that has a great impact. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I, I feel blessed with my father because even in the small things, just to share with you a very little story, we, we had a, we had a pet and it was a raccoon. Don't ask me why we had a raccoon as a pet. <laughs> right? All right. But that was, yeah, it was kind of weird, but. I remember that we had some uh, 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 fruit trees in, in, in the backyard. So I had a mango. They grow anywhere in El Salvador, right? So I had a mango, and I was close to the raccoon. Who, so the raccoon took it from me, and I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, I can't remember, probably seven, eight years old. And my father was there. He was a... Uh, you know, watering the plants. And then he saw me that I was mad and he started laughing, right? So he came to me and he says, what happened? He said, this raccoon took my, my mango and said, so he sat down, he, he hugged me and says, it's hard. It, it, it really, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult when, when someone takes something away from you, right? And I said, yes, well, don't take anything away from nobody, not even the air that they breathe. Hmm. You know, you always have to respect hmm. other people' things. Yeah. Things like that, you know, that. Uh, yeah. Incredible yeah. lessons that carry you into oh. your life. Last question for you. Just what are you up to right now? I mean, you've had such an incredible life. I'm sure it's continued. <laughs> what are some current projects? <laughs> I, my passion is, is, is working with the new generations. I have been a youth pastor, uh, before I came to Canada for the last 15 years prior to coming. Mm-hmm. And of course, that experience opened my eyes in so many ways. Um, uh, I saw the lack of, uh, of, uh, I don't like to call it training, but the lack of information or resources for, for the people, for, for the brothers and sisters that work with, with youngsters. Um, I think the church needs to, to provide more resources to to the people who lead these youngsters because 
you're shaping lives, literally. And when you have a group of, uh, of youngsters, you cannot see them as a factory. You know, we sometimes think that discipleship is, okay, let's put them in this factory and they will come up, you know, at the end of the line, you know, uh, good Christians. And is, that's not how it works, really. You have to really give your life to these people, to, 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 to these kids. And when I say give your life, that means be where they are. You know, uh, know the things that they like. But it, 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 we're so focused in, 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 in activities. Mm. And not, not really paying attention of the details of what they are going through. I've seen lots of kids attending, you know, a, a youth group. They come two hours later, they leave, but inside them, they, they probably come with, you know, they just saw their parents fighting. They just uh, heard that they cannot go to school because they don't have money to, to, to continue paying for their university or, or their, even their high school or, or they saw their mom struggling being a, a single mom. So you cannot treat everyone in the same way, you know, and, and, and that is my, 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 my biggest dream is, 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 uh, in my prayer to, to ask God, how can I put together a, a, a source of information or a source of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, people who are willing to, 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 to share with, uh, uh, youngsters, uh, uh, servants how to deal with different situations. And, 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 uh, I don't mean to be me, the one that I don't know how, you know, how to probably deal with, uh, let's say, a uh, 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 financial situation. But kids need to learn that, you know, they, they have to learn how to be good stewards of, of the Lord, you know, uh, uh, with their money, even from very young. And um, so that's, that's my calling. Uh, I pray the Lord. Of course, nowadays, using technology like we are doing now yeah. facilitates that, right? And um, I I live under uh, that that uh, mandate that the Lord gave us. Mm-hmm. I always say that people. And it's, it, it's, it's not a critic. It's just that the, 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 how we perceive it. But when you, when you talk about the great commission and we talk about, okay, what's the Lord's great commission? Okay. Make disciples. Yeah. But when they tell you, okay, you have to make disciples, it doesn't really tell you much. You know, the key is in verse 20. Because that's how it's supposed to do to be done. Because the Lord says, 
teach them how to keep what I have uh, uh, what I have instructed you. Now that that has three parts, uh, Holy and Johnny. Mm-hmm. First, what has he instructed us? You have to learn what is being instructed to us. Second, he doesn't say, teach them what I instructed you. He doesn't say that. And we, we spend a lot of time instructing others what the Lord instructed us. But he says, teach them how to keep or how to live what I instructed. So the first question I would ask is, what has he instructed me? Then, am I living? Am I keeping those instructions in my life? Mm-hmm. And the third question would be, am I teaching others? Yeah. How to do, how do you teach someone to have faith? How do you teach someone how to forgive? Because it's easy to say you need to forgive people, you know. But how? Teach them how. Yeah. And 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 so that's that's that to me is the message that I that I think uh well any Christians, but in my case, my calling, the new generations need to uh need to get, especially the Christian uh uh generation, right? Uh all their all there's no other way. What I love is that 99.9% of the time we have a guest on and we talk about the guest. And we have Father's Day right around the corner. Carlos, I'm, uh, I love the fact that we got to uh, hear little stories about your father. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to honor him today. And thank you for taking some time and uh, sharing your heart. Oh, my pleasure, brother. My privilege. Uh, I love you dearly. Believe me. I've been following you guys since almost since I came to Canada. Oh, wow. Our apologies. And and, and I, I've come to, to love you really in the Lord. And, uh, uh, you know, you were always with me driving, driving to work and, uh, uh, you probably hear many stories, you know, people, you know, just staying at the parking lot, just waiting for you. And I, oh, I don't want to go, you know, they, they, they are so, <laughs> but yeah, um... I, I, I pray for you guys. You know, uh, I pray that your, your, your ministry also, uh, grows and, and, and helps people to, to find the answer. To that why me question mm-hmm. and the the answer we all know that is in in the lord yeah right he is the one that provides those answers and gives us perspective and and in life and 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 vision to where we're really going mm-hmm. Absolutely. that's good brother we appreciate you thank you for taking some time and hanging with us today oh no my pleasure take care guys you know, I had a ton of questions, but sometimes I feel as though 
maybe there's questions that we don't need to ask. And it was really just great to just hear stories of his father. I honestly can't even imagine having gone through those trauma situations Mm. that Carlos went through. I mean, from the age of four and to hear the stories of his dad and how he just remembers him so fondly. It was really beautiful to hear, especially with Father's Day right here. And now he's a father and a grandfather. And it's just, it's so cool to see the circle of life continue and good fathering birthing more good fathering. Amazing. So thank you to everybody who has downloaded, who listens, who reaches out, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Ask Jeeves, Pure Volume, <laughs> wherever it is, or faithstrongtoday.com. 